Uh, we're going to wrap up our series on prayer this morning by looking at uh, a prayer that's known as the Lord's Prayer. Is it what? Really? Okay. Maybe it's just me bending over. I know you guys can hear me. We're kind of doing it so that we can just record them. So if it's obnoxious, I can turn it down. Um, well, don't be afraid to stop me in the middle of it if it drives you. Um, so, Lord's Prayer, uh, which is this prayer that Jesus left for his disciples, um, uh, three years kind of intimately with his disciples, traveling through the countryside in uh, the area of Jerusalem. And during those three years that he spent with his disciples, they witnessed firsthand the power of prayer. They saw some of the incredible things that Jesus was able to do through prayer. And I mentioned a, a couple of those last week, just the ways that Jesus himself prayed. But he, he stood before God at one point and prayed that, that Lazarus would be raised from the dead. Um, and this is, you know, this is the kind of encounter that his disciples had with prayer when they observed Jesus and the leadership that he brought them. And, and this, the, the Lord's Prayer is the prayer that he taught them. At one point... It are, you know, his disciples are hanging out with Jesus and they say, you've taught us so many things to pray. And this is kind of the, the framework of prayer that he presents to them and says, when you pray, this is how you should pray. Um, and I think it's fair to say that everything we've learned up to this point over the last couple weeks uh, is exemplified in this prayer. Everything that we've kind of picked out as we've talked here on Sunday mornings is going to show up again this morning as we talk about the Lord's Prayer. So just refresh you real quick. Two weeks ago, we learned that while it can encompass many different things, physical forms, you know, maybe laying on the floor, or, um, it can take, uh, you know, forms of praise and thank you and worship. Uh, it's primarily an act of requesting from God. We come before God with needs that are on our heart and before him and ask that he would do something about them. You know, we, we, we ask God to be at work in his creation that he treasures. And last, God does respond to our prayers. But what kind of silly joke would be if Jesus told his disciples to lay their request before God to be at work in his creation without any intention of responding to those requests? That would be, uh, that would kind of be just... It just wouldn't make any sense. It would be irrational. Uh, God's not in the business of inviting us to do things that he has no intention of responding to. So we pray and we ask with the expectation that God will respond to our requests, that what we entreat him to do, we will in fact see revealed. Now, we did mention last week that that doesn't mean we're always going to have the answer that we want or anticipate to our prayers. And we'll look at that a teeny bit more this morning. Let me pray for you as we begin to talk about prayer. God, I just want to ask that you make us people who are pray. Feel a desperation to pray, that we would have a desire that, that eats at us like that feeling of hunger to pray, and that we would see you at work in our around us in response to those prayers. That's what I ask this morning, Lord. Amen. Um, if you have your Bibles, and we do have a couple extra, I don't know if we got them out this morning, but I'm sure if you wanted to just toss up your hand, Mitch would bring you one from the back. But we're going to look at Matthew 6. There's actually two of the Lord's Prayer in the Gospels. This morning we're going to be looking at the one in Matthew 6. So let's 
Matthew 6, starting. This is Jesus talking. Pray then like the heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on the bread. Um, I grew up having this prayer memorized, and uh, many of you do as well. Maybe it's in the King James Version or something like that. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from this is the Grady Root translation that you're going to see up on the screens. And it'll become clear why I've uh, dis uh, chose to kind of display it in that way um, as we go through this. But if you break this prayer down, what you have uh, is, is a few sections. First of all, it starts with an address to our Father in heaven. And then you have five different requests that Jesus teaches us to make before God. And we're going to break down kind of each component for a few minutes. But first, I want to say that some people, I, I think that some people feel like they can't make requests before God. That it's selfish or that, you know, maybe you can make requests, but you also need to balance it with like a thank you. You know, you don't want to, you don't want to weigh too heavily on the I'm Tasaba. Jesus, thank you for a beautiful day, and I really need you to work in my life in this way or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, it, it just, it interests me because here is Jesus who pretty much does nothing more than come before God and say, here are the things that I need you to do. Here are the things that I'm asking you to do in my life and to do in the world. Uh, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with coming in a And, uh, you know, we, we are in fact needy. We can't hide that from God. So we might as well be honest in our conversation with him when we come before him. Um, but the prayer does start out with this address, our Father in heaven. And this really is a crucial part to the prayer. Uh, the, the reason being, addressing God when we pray distinguishes, having, distinguishes our prayers from merely worrying aloud or having wishful thinking, right? From time to time, I, I, I'll find myself multitasking, right? And in the midst of doing something, I'll start to pray. And then as I reflect back on it, I realize I'm not actually really praying because it wasn't addressed to anyone. You know, I was more sitting there hoping or daydreaming or having wishful thinking or, you know, whatever you want to call it. Maybe it was uh, just, just hoping, you know. Um, I, I was mumbling to myself even. Uh, without an address to our prayer, who exactly are we talking to? Are we just tossing up a cosmic, please do something to, you know, whatever forces are out there? Um, and, and, you know, I realize in those moments, I'm just kind of tossing up a wish to the universe. And it seems a, a, a real simple thing to encourage you to address your prayers to our Father in heaven, but it really is significant. We're not just throwing our thoughts out there hoping that we'll catch some good luck. We stand for our heavenly Father and we bless him and we on our behalf at his power for him to do something. So, so and, and this leads us, I think, to the, to the second reason for the address, for 
our Father in heaven, which is this. It reminds us of the relationship that we have when we come to God. He's our Father. He's our Father. He's not our taskmaster. We use the word Lord, but he's a good and kindly king. He's not some overbearing, you know, uh, tyrant God of the universe. He's our Father. Um, he, you know, he's not some distant deity or some car made of stone. He's our Father who is in heaven. He's not a wispy, powerless spirit that we don't have any sort of real connection to. He's, again, our Father in heaven. He is a real person that we stand before and we make a request as his child, not as some relative, right? And actually, I think it's interesting even, the word here, it says, our Father in heaven. The Greek word here for heaven is the word uranois, which is the plural form of the word heaven. So it's actually our Father in the heavens, uh, which no, I didn't put there, but our Father in the heavens. The reason that's significant is because this was written in a time period where there was kind of this classical view of what the heavens were like. And, and earth was the first realm of the heavens, and the heavens went out divine comedy, where he makes his way up to heaven. He goes through these different spheres. Is the very realm of God himself. What, what's being said here is that he's God that dwells in heaven, the far singular place where God alone dwells. He's the God who dwells in the heavens. Our physical earthly realm that we experience here and the realm where he is God, master, sitting on his throne, right? So the idea is he occupies every layer of the heavens. He is present in any place or situation. He's not out there far removed from his creation. He's here with us, near with us, dwelling close by, even as we come before him and request. So, uh, again, you know, this is a significant idea for us to understand when we come before God in prayer because he's already here. He's nearby. It, it's not a long-distance phone call. It's more like a conversation between friends. Here with understanding that all that we're about to bring before God, he has already been with us there present experiencing it. There's no information we're about to give him that he wasn't already aware of. And I think it allows for a deeper level of intimacy in our prayers. If we see that God is there beside us as we pray, then you know, we, we feel like he's, he's present with us. He's there. He's engaging in the conversation. And then move to the first request. And, 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 and hallowed be your name. I don't know how often you guys use the word hallowed in your daily conversations, but not do I come across that word. So let me un unpack that a little bit. What we're asking here is for God's name to be uniquely respected and treasured above and beyond any other name. We're requesting that glorified on earth. And truthfully, our society, the name of God, is most frequently used as a curse word or an exclamation than any other form, right? I find it ironic that uh, a culture that's so opposed to Jesus Christ calls out to him all the time. You know, I drop a hammer on my foot, Jesus Christ, you know? Why? You don't, he doesn't seem to have any authority. But that's the mode in which we hear God or Jesus uh, used is, is 
right, or, or even in a curse word type of form. And we tend to have very little significance for the name, or I'm sorry, very little concern of God to be renowned and to be magnified. And so Jesus is reminding us one of the primary things we seek on God's behalf is for his glory to be renowned, for, uh, for his name to be, what is it, hallowed, right? And, and interestingly enough, even issue in the world, that it should be, the world would not have the problems that it has. If this first and foremost answered to the degree that we hope it would be answered, all of the problems of the world would be solved. It would be like heaven. There is exalted perfectly that he intends it to be exalted. And until God's name is hallowed, fully respected, honored, treasured, and glorified above and beyond any other name or idea, humanity is going to continue in its brokenness and sorrow. That's just the way it is. And so we come before God and we ask, we long with him that his name work to bring about the glory of all creation. It's not for his benefit. We benefit when his name is Number two, your kingdom come, your will be done, it is in heaven. God's effective will is perfectly done. Okay, when we talk about the character of God, we talk about two different We talk about his effective will, which is the will Ours to happen. I'm sorry, the, the will that he desires to happen, and then his will, his will that is actually happening. And it, it's kind of confusing, but what I'm getting at is it means that God desires to happen in heaven happens exactly like he intends it to happen. Now, on earth, it's a different situation, right? God has allowed for his effective will to be overruled for a time, he's allowed to happen. Ultimately, his will is going to be done on earth. His name will be glorified and he will be exalted. But for the time, we're left with a world that can and does work in opposition to the will of God on earth. So, in request before God and we say, please bring your effective will into action here on earth. Here is, is kind of twofold. First, asking that God would govern our lives. We're saying, God, I want your will for my life to be done. I don't want it to just be my will. I don't want to be carried in the tides of culture or whatever. And then second, we're asking that God exercise the power of his perfect will in authority over the institutions of evil. or. And this is, this is a big one. I don't know how often you consider some of the realities that take place in the world around us uh, but this prayer request is, is massive and profound. We're asking allow his perfect will to destroy the sex slave industry that exists, not only overseas, but in America. To end government corruption across the world. To dismantle drug cartels. To steer wayward culture back to morality. We're asking that God allow his will to be done in the brokenness of humanity around us. To work in his creation exercising his perfect will in our lives and in our planet. And how wonderful and glorious would our creation be, would creation be, if that were the case? 
it would be great. And, and I'm guilty. I don't ask God for his perfect will to be done on earth very frequently. I don't think about it. You know, I've got my requests in mind. But this is one of the things Jesus says we should ask God for. Request number three, then, is give us daily bread. It's a very simple request for needs that we have. We're not asking God to for our 401k so that we can retire. We're not asking God to provide for our kids', kids college savings plan or to stock the pantry for next month. We're, we're asking God to give us today what we need to be sustained today. And I struggle with this one. I really do. I, 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 I find it really hard today. It's especially hard when I'm paid on commission. You know, I, I, work, I get paid based on, you know, I get paid that I do today. But things are like down the road. I, I can't help. Um, and then the fact that, you know, my bills come three weeks before they're due. So I'm, I'm always thinking about when, when those three weeks are up, am I going to have enough money to pay that bill? You know, it's, it's difficult to do in the culture that we live in. But the point of this prayer is to release us from the grip of anxiety. If we look just, just a little bit before, actually, no, just a little bit after, the, the heading starting in verses 25 says, do not be anxious. And this is one of those passages in Scripture that just wrecks me. It causes turmoil in me because Jesus paints this picture of what it means that I struggle with, you know. But the point of this prayer is to release us from the grip of anxiety. God is in control. And what we're asking for is that he just meet our needs for today. The, uh, there's a funny picture if you think about it. Think about a little child, right? Completely dependent on its parents for food. This hits home for me because my son Aiden isn't even two years old, you know. Can you imagine if my son Aiden, not two years old, right, his, his typical mode of operation is if he wants milk, he comes to me, he says milk, and I get it from the fridge, right? If he wants breakfast, he comes to me and he tries to say breakfast, and I feed him some food, right? And he doesn't even really have a choice. I mean, whatever I pull out of the fridge is what he's going to eat. Um, but can you imagine if all of a sudden my son Aiden, every time I gave him a piece of toast or some apple, started to take some of it and started hiding it under his crib, you know? Aiden, what do you do? And just in case, you know, tomorrow you decide to some set aside. I'm just, I'm just in case, you know, you decide that you don't want to open the fridge for me anymore. Right? It would never happen. And, it, and if it ever did, I would have to be concerned. As father. You know, clearly I'm communicating something to him that I, don't, I should not be communicating. But it would never happen. Aiden comes to me the moment he's hungry, and he gets exactly what he needs. And he expects to be fully provided for. And he is. There's no other terms to our relationship. He needs it, I give it. And that's the request that God meet the needs that we have for today. It's, it's wise to store up. That's a biblical principle. It's wise to say, set things and to be prudent about your future. But at the same time, we don't need to hoard and, and, and feel as if tomorrow we'll come before God and say, God, I need this, and he won't provide. And so the request here is, God, give me what I need for today and free me from the tyranny of anxiety in thinking about whether tomorrow I'll have food or money or be able to pay that bill or whatever it is. And, and there's no confidence comparable to the that you find knowing that God is going to provide for the needs that you have today.
even if you had a million dollars stashed away cash in a bank account right now, or gold, or whatever you want it to be, you don't know that the dollar bill is going to be worth anything tomorrow. I look at the country of Greece right now. You know, they're, they're, the nation is going through bankruptcy. We don't know that we wake up tomorrow and the money that we have set aside will just be paper. Even your gold, it's just a piece of metal. Tomorrow we could wake up and everybody could say, eh, gold, who cares anymore? You know, it, it doesn't even look that great. It's kind of shiny, you know? You just don't know. There's no confidence in that. It's our security. It's simply not guaranteed. But God's goodness and provision for the needs of today can be trusted in. And so we come before God and we say, God, request number four goes along with God providing for our needs. And it's our plea that God meet our need for forgiveness. We need forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And the idea here is that we come before God requesting that he have mercy or even pity on us. And that, that word pity, it, it kind of makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to feel like I'm pitiable. But in some ways we are, aren't we? We ask that God not punish us for forgive others for the wrong they have done to us. And, and we ask, the, the progression here is important. First, that God forgive us and that he forgives us. Because he forgives us first, reminds us that we're in a position where we need forgiveness. And so we don't have the right then to withhold forgiveness. It's not something that we can do. We, we have honest introspection when we come to a place of understanding our need for forgiveness and we've comprehended our own lowliness. And from there, we're able to go to somebody else and say, I, I forgive you. And in this prayer, Jesus says, pray and ask for that strength, right? He says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We look to you to give us that strength, God. And we can take confidence in our forgiveness. God's going to give us what we need for today. And maybe today that's forgiveness. And he's going to offer that. We don't have to be concerned that God's going to punish us for our wrongdoing. Now, quick side note here. Of our sins, we don't have to be concerned that God's going to punish us for our sins. But that doesn't mean that we escape the consequences. In his wisdom, has allowed consequences to be in place. Consider a teenager who's driving too fast and crashes their car. And the parents are going to forgive the kid if they love the kid, right? No doubt about it. They're not going to get over the rest of his life. Remember that time you crashed that car when you were 16 and stupid, you know? Whatever. They're, 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 they're probably not going to punish the kid unduly for the accident. But, but imagine if the parents then went out and said, you know what? Don't worry about it. Let's go buy you a new 2011 Ford Mustang. You know, pick your favorite color, right? What, what would they be doing for that kid then? They'd be condoning inappropriate behavior. And, and God does not condone inappropriate behavior. And so he has allowed in his wisdom consequences to be there. So we pray. We're encouraged to, f to seek forgiveness as well as the power to forgive others. And we know that from our Heavenly Father, we're going to find forgiveness, although there may still be consequences, right? And the fifth and final request 
Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's must be spared from trials and bad things happening in our lives. Do you guys do you guys make that prayer request? I know that in the midst of turmoil, we turn to God and we say, God, deliver me from this. I, I, I can't handle this anymore. But how often do you preemptively pray and ask God that he would steer your course in such a way that you would be able to avoid bad things happening in your life? That's one of those prayers that maybe you, you've wanted to pray, but you feel like, can I pray that? I don't know. That's kind of selfish, isn't it? God, don't allow things to happen to me. So in this request, we ask that God not put us to the test. We admit in our prayers that we don't have the power in ourselves to endure everything that life is going to throw at us. We don't trust alone in our own ability to stand firm. So we ask that we would be spared from those trials. That God would deliver us before they even come our way. And it's wise for us to do this, right? With the understanding that like we've talked about last week, we might not receive the answer to this prayer, right? James 1 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And he goes on to say, Perseverance develops character, etc., etc. And these are all things that you need to stand firm. And so we should anticipate trials and enter them with joy. However, Jesus gives us a pattern that says, Ask that God would deliver us from evil before it even happens. And, and I don't know about you guys, but I'd personally, I'd prefer to avoid trials and tribulation and evil whenever possible. Maybe that's a sign of weakness, but I don't really care. <laughs> I, I'll take weakness then. So, so Jesus shows us we can and should ask God to spare us from having to suffer too much. To spare us from the jaws of evil. Again, when was the last time you asked God to deliver you from evil that you have yet to even encounter. Apart from this prayer, it's not a part of my judgment in praying. And uh, I, I, I honestly think that your life might look different if God was delivering you from evil, if this request was a more frequent part of your prayer. You're still going to go through trial, and that's necessary to develop your character. But think about some of the pain and heartache you could have been spared if you had simply asked God to deliver you before you had ever even entered. So now that we've seen the prayer that Jesus left for his disciples, we have a good framework for how to pray, right? I, you know, I don't think you need to pray this prayer like this every single time that you pray. The principles there are good ideas, though. If you want to learn how to pray, this is a, a great place to start. And I want to encourage you guys to engage with this prayer this week. You know, you have it right here in Matthew 6. If you get my emails, I even sent it out that you guys could take a look at it. Back up for a few more minutes. All of the elements are here, right? The address to God our Father. We remember that relationship, that he is near to us. And the crucial request, name be exalted, that his will be accomplished, that our needs be met, our sins forgiven, and our lives protected. What I think would be awesome is for all of us to pray this prayer this week. Maybe it's in the morning, you know, when you wake up or when you brush your teeth, or maybe it's before you go to bed or at the dinner table, whatever it is. Maybe you want to work on memorizing it if you don't have this prayer memorized. Feel free to write out your own translation of it. I don't do well with the these and thous and all that. Write out your own translation. Maybe you want to take 
an element of this prayer each day and focus on it. And so tomorrow, what would it look like for you to just revel in the fact that God is our Father in heaven? And the next day, what would it look like for you to dwell on the idea of God's kingdom coming and his will being and go through the week that way with just an idea capturing you for a day? Whatever it may be, I want to encourage you guys to pray this prayer this week. And, and to get close, and I want us to just read this prayer out loud together as a community and pray this prayer together. So will you guys do that with me? Our Father in heaven and near us, let your name be exalted. May your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth and in our lives, the same as your will is done in heaven. Give us today everything that we need for today. Forgive us our sins and help us forgive those who have wronged us. Please don't put us through trials and deliver us from everything bad because you're in charge and you have all the glory and all the power. Amen. And that word amen what it means in Greek is truly. Truly. It's, it's an emphatic yes. It's the end of that prayer, right? Let me close us in prayer. Stacy, come up to lead us in worship. God, we thank you for the words of Jesus, this framework that we have to pray. And God, I really do ask with all of my heart right now that we would be a church that, that prays, that expects great things through prayer, that anticipates you to work in our lives and the lives of other people through prayer. God, I pray that our hearts would be changed because of our desire to pray, that we would be hungry for that prayerful relationship with you. And God, I pray that you would meet us there, that as people pray this week, this prayer, that they would experience you and find you there. Amen.